What's good, podcast fam? It's your boy, Jason Craig, and I'm back with another interview today. And this one is someone that I can't wait to get to know through this through this podcast today and interview. She hosts her own podcast, and she is going to inform us a little bit about herself and her life. Let me introduce you to the host of the Distressed to Joyful Bailey's Way podcast, Miss Bailey Raver. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I am doing good and thank you for being here. It's been a long week, but we finally got through the week. Yes, I feel that. (laughs) So what got you to start a podcast? So I am a chatterbox. I just talk all the time, nonstop. That's uh, I've been like that since I was probably born. (laughs) (laughs) So people have been telling me for years that I should start a podcast. And so one of the podcasts that I have been listening to for probably three or four years now, it's called the gold digger podcast by Jenna Kutcher. And she actually um, sells like online courses and stuff that teach people how to do things. And one of which was her podcast lab to teach people how to start a podcast. And she kept talking about it over and over on different episodes. And I thought about it one day and I was like, you know what? People are right. I do talk a lot. I like talking. And so why not? Why don't I start my own podcast? So I thought about it for a while and I was like, okay, well, what, what do I want to do with this podcast? Like, I I don't want to just do something for fun. If I'm going to put something out there, I want it to be helpful and useful for other people. And so I thought long and hard, and this was a really hard decision because um, I decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it about mental health and specifically about my journey with my bipolar two disorder. And the reason why that was so difficult is because I was diagnosed when I was 16. So that was about 12 years ago. And it has been very, very rough of a journey, not just, not just with, you know, um, accepting the disorder and, you know, understanding it for myself, but also just telling other people, um, 12 years ago, mental health was not where it is today in terms of, um, acceptable, like society wise. (laughs) So when I was diagnosed, when I told people back then it was really rough. People judged me. They looked at me differently. They were not nice. And so for a very, very long time, I decided to keep that information to myself and only disclose it to a few close friends here and there if I felt that they were trustworthy enough like to get that information from me. And so to take the leap and decide to tell the whole world, basically, because I mean, it's free information on the internet. Anybody can listen in and hear, hear me talk about uh, my bipolar two disorder was scary. Like it was a really scary thing to decide to do, but I'm really, really glad that I did it. So the whole, I like, it really probably took, it, it took probably a whole year of this to go from an idea to actually get the courage to move forward and like make this podcast happen. Thankfully, the pandemic aided a lot of that. Uh, I was unemployed for part of the pandemic and I had literally nothing else to do. So I buried myself deep into making the podcast happen and focusing on 
not the fact that I I'm being vulnerable and telling people things about me that are, um, I mean, vulnerable. So very personal information, but I kept focusing on how, when I would tell people this information, it wasn't so that they could judge me or look at me a certain way. It was to help inform other people who may be going through the same thing to better navigate situations than what I was able to do throughout life. So that was a very long answer for you. (laughs) No, it is. It is fine because like I said, this is a very raw podcast. So whatever, whatever's on your mind, just speak it. But at least (laughs) I like that you decide you wanted to help people throughout podcasting. Me, I feel like people say, says that I help, but I just feel like I'm just out here ranting about movies and TV shows angrily, but I guess people find that entertaining but <laughs> but um you were right about one thing the pandemic it really has helped shoot I, I don't care what nobody says we still are in a pandemic because we still have that virus who shall not be named still going around <laughs> yeah but um so tell us a little bit about where you're from I am from Houston Texas so I wasn't um born and raised here, but I do claim it as being born and raised here. Um, I grew up in a small town about an hour South and I moved up to Houston. Oh man, almost, almost a decade ago. It was in 2014. So about eight, eight years ago. And man, Houston, if you've not been to Houston, have you been to Houston, Jason? I actually have. I actually stay in Texas myself. Okay, I did not even know that. I for some reason I was thinking Chicago, but that might have been because I asked what time zone you were in. So well, my family isn't well, my family is from Chicago. So you oh. were, so you were halfway right, halfway right. Okay, cool, cool. What part of Texas are you in? Denton, Texas. I don't know if you know where that's at. I sure do. That's just north of Dallas. Yes. Oh, you're Dallas people. Okay. <laughs> I haven't I haven't ventured out that much farther. I've always wanted to go to Austin because I've heard that Austin has some pretty awesome places to visit. Oh yeah. No, Austin is a really great place. We were just there actually last weekend um hiking and uh, my partner, he had this flight lesson that his sister had bought for him for his birthday. So he got to go fly a plane over Austin. It was pretty cool. Austin's a really cool place, though. Very different vibe from Houston and from Dallas, but not in a bad way. Well, one reason why I do like Austin, because I just learned this listening to another podcast, but apparently Austin is a very big podcast city. Huh, really? Yeah, I did not know that. Apparently, there's a lot of podcasters out there in um in Austin and uh. Fun fact, uh, I don't know if you heard of the actor, I mean, the actor, the rapper, Danny Brown, but mm-hmm. he he actually moved out to Austin to um, to start doing his podcast journey. Wow, that's crazy, because I know of a couple other celebrities who are out in Austin, like, um, I don't know if you watch Queer Eye, but uh, JDN or Jonathan Van Ness, he lives in Austin. Um, Brene Brown, who is a super, super humongous 
big famous um she writes a bunch of like psychology books who i've read all of them i'm reading her newest one now um she lives in austin part-time and houston part-time but i feel like more and more elon musk he now lives in austin like all these famous people are heading to austin it's kind of like we're making our own hollywood in texas <laughs> yeah but but don't tell but don't tell them dallas cowboys fans that because they're going to start going crazy that's true that is true <laughs> so speaking of texas i've stayed here since 2017 and i must say it is like a completely different world plus it's too it's too damn big it's too damn big yeah you can keep like we drove to el paso recently and oh my god i was like we're still not in texas we're still in texas and it's eight hours of driving this is ridiculous like this should not be a thing <laughs> yeah but that, that is true like I'm used to I'm, I like cities I like things being close together oh yeah but also no you're right though because Texas is very like we're one of the only states that is like way too damn prideful of our state oh trust me I know that far too well from last year when we were all freezing our asses off because our great state, this great state of Texas <laughs> decided it would be a wonderful idea to have its own power grid separate from the United States. So we had no help. And then we had one of our politicians decide he wanted to go to Cancun. I know I, I know this is not political, but Ted, <laughs> but Ted Cruz, I say this with all of my heart. I hate you. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. <laughs> I, I honestly, so I knew that Texas, the power system was a little different here because I, a couple of years ago, I was sitting down talking with my aunt who lives in Mississippi. Like she's aunt by marriage and like a recent marriage type thing. So I was telling her how I was shopping for electricity and for my new apartment. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm picking which, you know, which electric plan to get. And she goes, you can't do that. You're just assigned to it by where you live. And my uncle who works for Centerpoint, which is, you know, part of a power, I guess a huge power company. Uh, he looked at her and he goes, Texas is different in Texas. You can choose your own power thing. And she was so dumbfounded. Like she was just so confused. And I was like, what is she talking about? You don't get to pick. And then when the whole freeze happened, that is when I learned Oh, we get to pick our own electric company because that that's Texas's way of being different. But really, it's the worst kind of different we could ever be it like is, the worst. It is. It is. Uh, it's just uh, in simple terms, just stupid. Yeah, stupid. No, seriously. <laughs> when all of that happened, I was like, wow, that is the reason why we all lost power for a whole week and people froze and fires were started because of that, because people were trying to, you know, start get some heat in their house. There were so many places in Houston that were catching on fire left and right because people were trying to stay warm and were doing doing what they could do. You know what I mean? Just starting fires in their houses and then burning places down. It was bad. It yeah, was like, so bad. People were dying. And yeah. I, I have a funny story. This is going to be a little story time. Let's so, so while all this is going on, like, you know, me, why me, I was like, well, I'm cool with just staying home. Cause I stay home anyway. I was just upset, kind of heated. I couldn't play the game because that was one of my main source of entertainment. So they, I don't know if they were doing it where you were, but they kept shutting the power on and off. So you had to use the electricity when you could here um, in the Dallas area. 
Mm-hmm. So I did not know the pipe, our pipes had frozen over and the water. Well, first I knew the pipes are frozen over. So after the first day, I was like, okay, come join, get some water bottles. And after the second day, when everybody else's water was working in my complex, I was like, hmm, wonder why mine's not working still. So five days passed. It's been like almost a whole two weeks without water. Then when everything's finally melted and dry, I, I, I asked my apartment complex, say, yeah, so what's going on with my water? I still can't, um, I, I still can't use it. Like, oh, well, the water heater's busted. This is my first time finding out the water he's busted. I just remember the pipes being frozen. He like, and they say, yeah, the water heater's busted. I'm like, oh, well, I still can't use my water. Like, have you tried using the cold water? I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> And then she says, well, sir, that's why you've had water this whole time. Just only cold water. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So mind you, the whole time I'm buying packs of water bottles and free and um, and like um, just leave like leaving it out to cook food on the stove and stuff. I have water the whole time. It just my dumb ass forgot to turn the the hot switch off, the, the hot water off. Oh my God. Wow. That's too funny. Yeah. So we, um, we lost water for, uh, what was it? Probably maybe three or four days. And I live in an apartment complex. And so at one point when we, we realized, so we, let me backtrack a little bit. We were very lucky. We didn't lose power and at all. And I learned the reason why we didn't lose power because all those fire trucks I kept hearing, we have a fire truck on our grid, like a fire station. Mm-hmm. And so the way Houston did things and whatever, like the grids that had fire stations, hospitals, and Really, I think those are the only two. Oh, maybe maybe police stations, but definitely the hospitals and the fire stations. If those um, if you were on the grid with them, you didn't lose electricity because one of my friends, she works down in the med center and she never lost electricity because she was right by all the hospitals. So we were very fortunate for that. We did lose water and our apartment complex started emailing everybody and telling us that, hey, if you didn't, if you weren't able to like save water in the tub, which we didn't do that. We weren't thinking anything of it because we literally played in the snow like it was a fun thing until we realized we didn't have water <laughs> and our friends didn't have power and stuff. But so they told us because we have these little um, these little what are they called? They're like courtyards. Um, we have like two or three of them. And they told all the residents in an email. They're like, hey, if you need water to flush your toilets, go down to the fountains and get water and just bring it up to your apartment. So my boyfriend and I, we got this big old like um, plastic container, probably like 20 gallons, like that you would store stuff in. And we took that down the stairs, three flights of stairs, went down, okay. scooped up as much water as we could put in this big old tub. I was smart enough to bring the lid. So that way when we're walking, we're not sloshing the water everywhere. So he and I in the freezing cold weather went down and did that, had to carry it up three flights of stairs down the hallway to get it in here. Oh my God. I, (laughs) (laughs) I hope I never have to do that again. All of our neighbors were doing it too. So like this was, we went ahead and did it because we saw other people doing it. And then later on the apartment complex emailed everybody and just told us to do it. But one of our neighbors, he, 
uh, we were talking with him about it later and he described it as the animals going to the watering hole. So <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's literally like if you just, you know, imagine the Lion King when all the animals are going to the watering hole. That was us collecting water to flush our toilets. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. And I've and I've been to like cold states like just Chicago and New York during snow. And I was like and people I would see on Facebook, they said, oh, well, you Texans can't handle a little cold. So me, even though I'm not from Texas, I've been in mid, I'm, I'm from the Midwest. I had to tell these people, y'all have to realize they don't get snow that often. So of course they're not going to be prepared for snow, just like with a lot of you, a lot of these northern and midwestern states have giant like record breaking heat waves, and they mm-hmm. don't know how to prepare for it. It's the same way, just the other way around. So bingo, and. <sighs> man that that was such a horrible time but segue into our next topic um our next question i should say so during the so during the pandemic you thought of this idea during the pandemic or, or was it just the pandemic gave you more of an accelerated reason to start your podcast so it was uh, more the latter one. It was the pandemic gave me an accelerated reason to start the podcast because I literally had I, I don't like not having things to do. I am. I don't know if you are familiar with the Enneagram. Are you familiar with that at all? That sounds familiar, but I'm not too sure. Okay, so the Enneagram is the personality scale and it's like you're number one through nine and you kind of you you sell, it's called self-typing. You figure out what your own number is and it's all based upon like your childhood experiences is what forms you as to whatever number you are as an adult. So I'm an Enneagram eight and we are doers. We like to get shit done and be productive. And I don't like sitting still. I'm bad at watching movies because I have to sit still for a long period of time. Like I'm just not good with these things. And so imagine somebody who is used to going to work, you know, Monday through Friday and going and exercising and hanging out with my friends and doing all the things. Now we're having to pause and do nothing. And at that time I was literally in transition to a new job and they literally hit pause on the training for my new job because it was customer facing. And they were like, we don't know how to do anything with the pandemic right now. So we're going to worry about our current employees and we'll come back to you guys, me and all of my training group. And so Literally sitting around twiddling my thumbs. TV gets old after a while. We couldn't go anywhere. We weren't supposed to be doing anything. I was going crazy. So I was like, okay, this is the time. Like if I'm going to launch this podcast and actually make this podcast happen, now is the time. I have time to figure out all the technical things. I am so terrible with technology. My boyfriend loves technology. He works in it for his career. And I always yell at him to come fix things because I can't figure things out on my phone or my (laughs) laptop. (laughs) And so I forced myself to sit down and learn things. I learned how to, I use Libsyn for um, like all of my uploading of 
the content and whatnot. I had to figure that out. I had to figure out how to do a website and do show notes and just all of the technical things. I also learned, fun fact, the first year and a half of my podcast, I was plugging in my microphone, but recording through my laptop audio. And so I didn't have that set up right to where it was streaming through my microphone, not my laptop, which makes perfect sense as to why the sound (laughs) increased tremendously when I switched it over to using my actual microphone. (laughs) I was just about to say that because I was listening to your first episode and was segmenting to your second episode, like, oh, she sounds different. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) I had a lot of learning curves. And then if you keep listening through from episode one to the most recent episodes, it's just, it gets clearer and clearer because I learned, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. Or, oh, you shouldn't hold your microphone in your hand if you talk with your hands, because then your microphone moves when you're talking. <laughs> yeah. And then you can hear the, some, I guess sound like somebody's clear, somebody's tapping. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still getting better at that, but um, now you seem you're like me, like for me, this podcast it was just something that I've been putting off for years. And then my girlfriend was like, well, why don't you um, just start now? Like, well, I don't have a good enough equipment. Like, well, you know, you can use anchor or whatnot. Anchor has tools in the app. Uh, a little quick plug in there for anchor, but, <laughs> but yeah. So like, I'm like, Oh, wow. It really is simple. Of course I'm learning new things every day to improve the podcast. I just, um, paid somebody to work on my logo I'm going to pay somebody for a new intro because I want to sound professional but I'm having fun as I do it now for you besides helping other people out were there any other goals that you set for yourself for your podcast so just like what you were saying that you're having fun like learning new things and like experimenting and you know improving as you go that's kind of what I've been at it at mine with, or wow, that sentence did not work. That's kind of what I've been doing with my podcast too. So the ultimate goal is to help others. It's for me to put out a safe place where people can go and learn about what bipolar disorder is like for other people. Um, it's, it's classified like bipolar disorder. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's classified as one of the most misunderstood mental disorders out there just because it is very complex and everybody experiences it a little bit differently. And it is, it's just confusing to the outside world. Like my, my partner and I, he and I have had a very huge learning curve with him just learning how to understand the disorder versus me. And so we've been together two years now and things have gotten easier, but the thing also, there's still so many stigmas around the disorder that my thoughts are, you know, people don't want to just talk about this with other people. They don't like, I rarely get an opportunity to actually talk to somebody in person about my podcast, because this is just not a topic that's brought up. So the thoughts were, okay, I'm really good at talking and I could 
talk for days on, you know, my experiences with the disorder. And now that I've learned a lot about it in the past couple of years, and I have improved the quality of my life after learning different ways to better manage the disorder. If I can put that somewhere where people can just listen to it, they can put it in their little earbuds and hit play and nobody knows what they're listening to. That's the kind of place that I need to be because until people are more comfortable having these kinds of conversations out loud in society, they're going to stay like I did for years. And I know this is like, it's technically not the right term, but I like to use it as a term, but it's kind of staying in the closet because you're not telling people all about you. You're keeping some of it hidden. And I did that for so long and it, it, it sucked. I mean, it sucked feeling like I couldn't, you know, tell everybody or explain myself or, you know, just be who I am because I, I was afraid that if people found out that they would judge me or whatever the case might be. And so all of that just wrapping around is, um, you know, a safe place for other people to hear and, uh, and get information and feel that they're not alone. And then for me, it's been, it's been fun. Like I had mentioned, like you had said, it's been fun learning um, new things and playing with different kinds of topics. And I laughed to myself in the closet by myself, which is kind of weird, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I have fun doing it. And then also it's been really great for like, it's been like a triple win. So it, it's helping other people. I do know that because I've had strangers reach out to me on like Instagram and tell me how my podcast has helped them. So that always melts my heart. Cause that's, that's the whole point of this thing. Um, it's been fun, but also I do a lot of research for these episodes and it has helped me to learn even more about myself as I continue growing through this podcast. So it's been like, it's just been nothing but good things. And I hope it continues to be just nothing but good and that it will just expand further and further as time goes. So, yeah, well, I really do enjoy your podcast. Like I was listening to it because I was doing I would want to, I was want to do some type of my due diligence to listen to or read the person's product that I'm interviewing. And I really did, I really did like your podcast. For one, it resonates with me because I suffer from spells of depression um, here and there, but I was always, when I was younger, I was afraid to express myself because in, 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 um, in the community that, that I'm in, it's hard it's not like for young black man, it's not, it's not normal for us to express how we truly feel, mm -hmm. which are, we're all supposed to be so hard nosed and just and tough. But I'm glad that this newer generation, they're helping people realize like, Hey, mental, mental health is not, it's not nothing to be ashamed of. It's real because humans are complex. We are complex beings. Everybody feels different everybody speaks different and like everybody loves different. So it just took me a while to come, come to terms with, I have, I have to, like, I have my spells of depression, but I don't know if, if it's like this for you, but this podcast is also helped me doing this whole podcast thing. It's helped me kind of, it's kind of like therapy. Yes. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Like it's kind of like therapy. And just like you said, I'd be having people reach out to me, 
um, like I be getting voice messages on Anchor where people are saying that they enjoy my content, that I make their day. And that just makes me into a little, into a little emotional. I like, <laughs> I get that one single tear come down, be having like the butterflies in my chest and my stomach, because it's just a good feeling to know that you're out there helping people, which really, I feel like that's what podcasting is about. A lot of people are in it for the money. And me, I do hope to make money someday from doing this. But my main goal is just to have fun and to help somebody's help somebody's day be better because like during the pandemic that's when I really started listening to podcasts and ever since then I've been hooked to podcasts that's why I've been joining all of these groups I I created my own group amongst geeks and nerds so that we all can flourish together well really my friend Ralph did but I'm heavily in the community and that's one thing I like the podcast community depending on which one you go to because I'm not going to lie the promotion groups that we're in, they're kind of bad because they're just listen for listens. I I like the whole, uh, you have people with the same interest, whatnot, and you have in one community and they're actually for supporting each other. Because I don't know how you feel, but those podcast promotion groups are BS to me. Yeah, no, they really are. They super are. And sometimes like, I don't know if this has ever happened with you, but actually I posted, um, an episode the other day just to, you know, promote myself or whatever. And it was about the, my, um, episode, I believe it's episode three of my second season and it's called therapy then versus now. Cause I've been, I've been in therapy for a decade now, literally this month makes 10 years with my therapist. And I, I just posted about, it and I was like, I firmly believe everybody needs a therapist. Cause I, I do We're I mean, it's 2022 we're all a little bit fucked up. We all need some kind of help. All of oh, us. Oh, most, <laughs> so, most definitely. And this guy, he commented on it and he was like, he said something, it was just very mean. And I was like, what is the point of that? Like the, I agree. Like these promotion podcast promotion groups, they're supposed to be helpful, but it, I feel like it's not, I feel like it's a lot of noise. Like I'm glad we were able to connect on there and I hope to find other, you know, connections like this where I can actually sit down and have real conversations with people. But right. yeah, I, otherwise, yeah, I agree. Those groups are very, they're very interesting. <laughs> like I really wish that you, you were into the same content as like me because <laughs> I would have sent you an invite to this group because we have a Facebook group now, Geek um, Geek Content Creators United. Shout out oh, to Raphael! Shout out to Raphael for making it. But we've all been supporting each other because we all are serious about supporting each other. We all it's one thing. The thing, the difference between our group and the the promotion groups is is too many people in those groups that have too much. Dip- like different content like for me i'll go but i'll go give someone a listen but i'm not going to follow because it's ingenuine for me to support something that isn't for me bingo but but like i'll definitely give a listen because i still show support but some people they don't even just show support they'll just act like they listen and then they'll just go fuck off somewhere else 
Oh yeah. No, that's just like, so I'm in, I'm in way too many groups on Facebook, but one of the ones I'm in where it's kind of the same similar concept of what you're just saying. It's so it's a women's entrepreneurial group and it's for, it's literally called women supporting women. And the one big pet peeve of mine is when people do the follow for follow on Instagram. And for a while I was I'm not going to say dumb, but I was naive and I was like, oh, well, this is a good way to connect with people. But like you just said, if it's not a genuine connection, like why do it? And so I noticed like I would go through and I would find things that actually interested me and I would follow those people's accounts. But then those people wouldn't follow me back. Or I was just like, what's the point of this, though? Like, what's the actual point? Nothing's happening here. Like what you just said, we need to be connecting with people who we can be genuine with, who have the same interest in us and who actually want to talk about the same things and support each other. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, um, I'm pretty like, I'm just going to let, let you know now, now that we are talking now, you were locked into my context and we will definitely hopefully work more in the future because that's one thing I I'm a I'm a what you call a big dreamer and I know that this thing is small now but I want to do things like I want to do things like go to go to different podcast conventions go to different like podcast conventions or movie festival anime conventions or host or host our own host my own podcast convention maybe like maybe whenever COVID stopped killing us do it. <laughs> just like do it maybe in person or virtually but I want to do that because honestly podcasting is something that I have fallen in love with. Like I love doing this and I want to work with other people that share the same love that I do because this is this has been really fun. This is whole podcast journey has been a blast. I'm still learning still things that I'm working on myself, but I'm just having fun with the whole experience. You know, I love that. And I love that you disclosed that you're a big dreamer. I am also a big dreamer and there's not enough of us these days. And so I'm really glad, I'm really glad we were able to connect because I'll, I'll tell you one thing about being a big dreamer. I don't know if this is the same with you, but I have had people just give me not great reactions when I talk about my big dreams. And have you had anything like that happen before where people you know, they're just not on board or they just can't fathom the big dream that you have. I have, but it's only been with people that I work with because they're stuck at, at that one point in life. So whenever I be talking about my dream, they'd be like, well, that's unrealistic. I'm like, and, and I just look at them like, well, why is it unrealistic? It's like, well, how do you would hope to achieve that? Like with hard work and perseverance. And like, yes. cause, cause I was saying, cause I was saying, cause I would always ask somebody the question if they worked there for 20 plus years or so, why do you continue to work here? And then um, they'll give me the answer. Well, it pays the bills. If that's the only reason why you're still here, then that's a horrible reason for me. I tell people all the time, my job, it pays well, but I don't like it. But the reason why I stay is because I make more than enough to support myself and my daughter but I also can put money into this podcast and pay for promotions, pay for logos, pay for pay for me, um, custom, custom music. So it, you, I've always found out that no matter what you do, whether like, no matter what happens in your life, whether it's positive or negative, you always got to 
pick out the positive things, even in the negatives, because if you just focus on the negatives, which is I'm still trying to get away from that, then when you find them positives, it will strive you to get out that slump or that rut and you'll come out a whole lot better from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, um, on, oh my God, I just lost it. I, oh, um, so one thing like with me, the, the whole like people in the dream thing, cause I agree, like I have, I have worked really, really hard to surround myself with people who, when I talk to them about my big dreams, they're on board with it. They're like your friend, Raphael, who's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Cause you're right. It does take hard work and perseverance, but you can literally make anything happen. I'm a firm believer in that. And so I think what was the hardest for me is I come from a small town in Texas, like less than 30,000 people. And most of those people that I grew up with are still living in my small town in Texas. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with them living in the small town and doing whatever they're doing. But for them, I think it was hard for a lot of people to fathom my dreams, like to even be reality because they're in small town, Texas, where things like that don't happen. And so I, one thing I really love about living in Houston is this is the fourth biggest city in the United States. And so the diversity here is just fucking awesome. Number one, (laughs) I love how diverse it is, but also the fact that I have been able to find people when I tell them my big dreams, they're just like your friends. And they're like, let's go for it. Let's do it. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? That's amazing. I can see you doing that. And it's just all those positive things coming through. And so, yeah, that's, so like I said, I really love hearing that you're a big dreamer too, because I have so many friends who support my big dreams. And I wish I, I wish I had more friends that have big dreams like me and maybe some of them do and they just haven't verbalized it to me. I don't know, but I'm glad that you mentioned yours because that's awesome. And I would love to help support you through your goals and through your dreams with that because that's great. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, like I said, I don't know if you know or not, but right now we friends now like we done. We done already oh, yeah, like, Absolutely. Like, like it's already locked in. I, I would say I would come to Houston, but y'all got too many damn hurricanes <laughs> <laughs> oh, and floods and we flood all the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and I can't swim. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, stay far away. <laughs> but yeah, like that's the thing, because this old lady and my, I've heard from my mom countless times, but I've heard like my mom and this old lady and my older. She used to always tell me in this same decrepit voice, she says, like, boy. If you don't know anybody that wants to move forward in life and they're your friends, then that's just going to rub off on you and you're going to be the same way. You don't want to be like that. So always make sure if you have friends, make sure that you guys have the same goals. And when she told me that, like, you know what? She's right. Look, like, because all the friends that I used to have in like high school, like in grade school, a lot of them, they're still stuck doing things that they don't want to do and i i don't know if it's like you i don't know like if you've experienced this but i've noticed those friends that i had in middle school that really had no true goals i'm not friends with them no more but my friends now that are striving to to do better and they went out and got the degree that they said they were going to get going into college like we're still close friends this day like my friend circle is really small (laughs) yeah 
it's really small, but I do it because you you attract the company you keep. And I feel like I attract good company because I, like I said, I'm so goal-driven. If you tell me that you want to do something, I'm going to tell you, well, go do it. Like, go do it, and I'll do whatever I can to help 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 you. Like, I tell you all the time, like, my face, like my group, my Facebook group for my podcast, it's nothing but it's like everybody's in there but i tell people all the time if you have something you want to promote promote it in my facebook group like i'm like we're friends so why would i not want you to promote something in there help Aww. like like help like help each other out that's why like i tell people whenever they're on the podcast like my friend robbie i tell them all the time man push your stuff like push your film stuff to my girlfriend push your film stuff on here like hat like hat burn into these people's brains so they'll finally go look at your stuff and then maybe you can get clientele from that because i feel i've always felt like i've been put on this earth for a purpose and that's to help people and whether i can do that through podcasting or helping people promote is i'm gonna keep i'm gonna do it just because that's just how i am i don't know where i got it from this is how i am wow no i i love that because like you know and I love that you feel like, like you've known that for your whole life. You've known that you were put on here, like put on here, put on earth for, uh, for <laughs> a purpose <laughs> that you're here for a purpose and that it's to help people. Cause honestly, um, looking back five years ago, I was a different person than I am today. Cause today I can say I am just like you. I feel like I was put on this earth for a purpose and I am here to help people and I will do whatever I can to help people. I am the type of person who I'm just like you. I'm, I encourage people for their goals. I'm the girl who, if I'm walking down the street and I'm passing by somebody and I like, I like something that they're wearing, I'm going to tell them because if I can put a smile on their face, I just helped them. And it might be a small little thing by making, by just saying, Hey, I love your shoes. And somebody lights up about it, but those little moments are what can make or break somebody's day. Like they really are just showing that kind of kindness. And so, you know, I honestly, until probably about three years ago is when I really like looked at myself in my life and I had kind of did a 180 and like flip things around and was moving in a positive direction. And that's when I was like, you know what, I I'm here for a purpose and that's to help people. And I think that's part of what spurred my idea of the podcast being about my journey with bipolar two disorder, because I feel like, you know what, I'm here for a reason. I'm going to help people. How can I help people? And like, that was my mode. That was my method. And so I try to be like you, I try to encourage other people, whatever their goals are. I don't care if your goal is to, you know, go run 50 miles in one day, like my friend Victor, who I love, but damn, that's a lot of miles in one day. <laughs> that is a lot of miles in one day. <laughs> or if it's to, um, you know, to read 20 books in three months, like whatever your goal is, I'm going to be there supporting and encouraging. And I'm really glad that we've connected. And I found another person like that. Cause I, the, you are the kind of people that I keep in my company. Cause that old lady that you talked about is right. Like the people you keep around you are going to be where you're going to be in life. So. Yeah. And, um, segueing back to your, um, to your, like your mental health. Um, so when at the, what moment in your life did you finally realize, you know what I need to, I, I need to cope with my mental illness and go seek help. Like what precise moment 
did you um, find out? Oh, yeah. So that was that was a very distinctive moment. So um, my, my birthday is on Christmas Day. It's the freaking worst. And so, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's the worst. Um, and I in 2018, I so I had hit my heaviest weight. I was like 200 pounds. And just for everybody listening, I'm five foot three. So 200 pounds on my petite five foot three frame was, it was a lot. And I was always petite growing up. And most of that weight was put on because of depression and alcohol abuse. Cause I was using alcohol and food as coping mechanisms with my bipolar disorder for years. And so it was the day after my 25th birthday. I'll never forget because my 25th birthday was just garbage. It was just, it was just fucking awful. And I woke up the next day and I remember sitting up thinking, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing with my life? I was not happy. I was, you know, like I said, I was overweight. I had stopped seeing my therapist for a little while and I had some credit card debt and I was just like, no, I'm, I'm tired of this. Nobody's going to be able to fix this, but me. So, you know, that was, that was my aha moment. Like it is time to like get shit done and do something about this. Cause if I don't do something now, nothing's going to change. I'm going to still be here next year on my 26th birthday, miserable, not happy. And I'm not here for it. So I think it, I called my therapist, um, probably, not the day after Christmas, because, you know, I was being respectful. So I gave it a couple of days, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I called her and I set up an appointment and I remember going in and it, it had probably been maybe eight months or so since I had seen her last. And I remember breaking down and telling her, I will do whatever it is that you tell me to do. I am so unhappy and I'm tired of it. I want this to change. Like that was that was the defining moment. And so. Previously, just a little backtrack, um, when I had started seeing my therapist, I was 18. So it'd been about seven years of seeing her um, with that minus that little break I had. And in those first seven years of seeing her, y'all, I was the worst student ever. She would be like, go read this book and this will help you. And I would be like, okay, I'll think about it. And then I wouldn't do it. She recommended journaling a million times and I would never do it. She would tell me all the time how important it was to exercise and eat healthy and get a good amount of sleep. And did I do any of those things? Nope. Um, she also would recommend like Ted talk. She, she tried guys. I am surprised that she put up with my shitty behavior for seven years. Like she did, because that must've been exhausting, constantly giving me advice on things that I could absorb like information and all different methods and different things I could do to help myself. And then I just not do it. So when I came to her, that was in January of 2019, she was like, okay, whatever it is, I I'm going to ask you to do. I, if you're serious about getting healthier and, you know, happier and better then I really need you to do it. And I was like, I'm all in. And that's when I started reading a bunch of books. That's when I started listening to podcasts to different ones that she had recommended, um, watching Ted talks, exercising. I lost the weight, which Honestly, when I, the losing of the weight, that is a very important factor for me too, because I had put on all of the weight because I was overeating and 
abusing alcohol, really. That's what it was. And so when you do these things and you don't exercise this, y'all, that affects your mental health, like so much, like it is insane how much fast food affects your mental health negatively. (laughs) Oh yeah. I can, I can tell you that first time because whenever I was, I first had my daughter and I was in a bad place. I, my friend Don showed me a picture. I was like, Oh my God, I look like a big fat black, blackberry. (laughs) And oh I, man. And just like you, I'm five four, five five. So I was like you were 200 pounds on on a five three fame. I was to um 180, 190 pounds on a five foot four frames. And it just looked, I looked around. I was round and I was like, I got to fix this. But yeah. But um one thing I do want to say, I I tell this to everybody that that seeks to improve their mental health, I am proud of you that you took the steps because for a lot of people, that's not, that's not easy. It's, it's not easy because that's you accepting that, that um, there is, that there is something imbalanced in you mentally. And that's, re- that's really hard to accept because I don't know how you feel, but when I finally accepted my, like, my, like uh, there was something wrong with my mental health, like I felt broken. I felt like I was broken. But it's just not the case. It's just you just need somebody to help you pick the pieces up. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm going to say I say this on my podcast a lot. I'm going to say this for your listeners, too, is that seeking help is a sign of strength not weakness. So like you said, it does take courage to go get the help that you need. And I try to encourage people as much as possible, because like you said, like I, I did feel a little broken. I remember, especially when I was serious about my therapy and going and getting help so I could feel better and be happier. I did feel broken. I felt like, damn, like I'm in here. I need this help because X, Y, Z, but you know, through time and with the therapy, I learned, no, I'm not broken. Like you just said, I'm not broken. I just needed someone to help me put my pieces back together so I can be the healthy, happy me. And it was the best thing I could have ever done for myself. And I just want to scream it to the rooftop, to everybody. If you feel like you need help and your friends aren't help. I'm just saying this. So everybody knows your friends aren't your therapist. They're not. Um, it, it's not the same thing. Therapists are there to guide you and help you make the best decisions. And I'm sure you love your friends and I love your friends for you, but <laughs> our friends aren't, they're not trained professionally to be able to help us with our mental health, like therapists are, or like going to a psychiatrist, if you need medication to help with an imbalance, like these are things that we need to do. They are hard. Like you just said, Jason, they're hard to accept these facts about ourselves and go get the help. But anybody who's listening, who thinks they might need a little bit of help, please do it. Do it for yourself. Do it because you want to be the best you. And that is the way to be the best you. Yeah, it, it definitely is, y'all. It makes a difference. But um, I've tried it. Yeah, it's just, whew. One thing that I do like nowadays, which is why a lot of millennials and boomers, they still talk a lot of shit about Gen Z. But Gen Z, they... One that one thing that they've helped majorly is that they have like made 
made awareness to mental health. Like, I don't know. I know you say you don't like you can't watch movies because it's sitting down for a long time. But if you notice the media that we have now through movies and TV, they throw in a lot of things with mental health, with a lot of things with mental health, like to make people aware because the casual, like the casual person, they they probably have this the thought like mental health, mental illness is something bad, but really it's not. And I guess if you once you see your once you see your favorite characters go through the same things that you go through, it really opens your eyes. Like you know, maybe it's not a bad thing. I tell people this all the time: the most depressed people on this planet are the ones that have smiles on their face in public. Bingo. And one of the it still hurts to this day. One of the biggest losses we had was Robin Williams. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I loved Robin Williams so much. I loved the original Jumanji. I loved some of the Night of the Museum movies. Um, <laughs> and I just loved everything that he did. Like he was a beam of light, a beacon of hope in my childhood. And I used to always think that, oh, well, his life should be good. He has money. He's in all these movies. He's a celebrity. He's always smiling. But really, he had um, darkness within himself that he was never able to resolve. And that opened my eyes. Like, just because you have fame, um, money, uh, fortune and fame, it doesn't change the fact that you still can be unhappy with yourself. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, so I do watch some TV and some movies. It's just I I'm very like 30 minute shows are the best for me, (laughs) I will say. (laughs) But I will say that I agree with you as some of these newer shows that are coming out like Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that show. I love that show. Oh, we've been, I, that was a binge watching because that's where I was able to sit down and like, all right, we can do this because they just had so many incredible moments for emotional intelligence, for mental health, for therapy, just all of the things like you just said that we're trying as a society to get out there these days, Ted Lasso, like just nailed it all with a huge bucket of positivity. It was just, ugh. I can't wait for the, another season to come out. It's just so good. Like, yeah, I was oh, I'm so I'm, I'm wanting to kick myself in my own ass because I should have started early because I really want to talk about Ted Lasso. That show is <laughs> that like he's just such a likable person. Oh, I know you can't not like him. Like, oh, he make like, honestly, he makes me want to be a better person like every day. Like that is how like that is how I felt after every single episode. Like, wow, look at what like look at this. Like, I need to be like that. Like, that was just so amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait till they bring out another season. But um, now segue now segue to another question. How did um, how did your family take your um, your your mental like your mental health diagnosis? Like, how were they able to cope? Um, with it when they finally when they finally understood um what you were what you were struggling with oh yeah so that did not go well so actually um I don't have much of a relationship with my parents anymore these days but I I grew up in a household that was very um, white conservative Christian and so we had all this 
all of these things going on at home that nobody outside the house knew about because outside the house, when we were in public, we were putting on a show. We were this perfect little Christian family. And honestly, it was so exhausting. (laughs) It was super exhausting. But I remember asking, I asked my mom to take me to a psychiatrist when I was 16, because I just, I just felt like something was off. Um, I have a whole episode about this. I think it's episode three in my first season excuse me, in my first season called, um, the diagnosis, but I remember asking her to take me there and get diagnosed. And literally it was like something just shifted in how my family viewed me when the moment I was diagnosed, like I was relieved because I'm like, okay, I know what the problem is. I can now fix it. But when I walked out of the door, my, my family just started treating me so differently. And My siblings, they honestly were the, like, they did everything that they could to try to not do that. I think that they saw that my parents were treating me a lot differently since the diagnosis. And when I say differently, like in a negative connotation, it was more of, they were using language that was very, um, it was not explosive, but like, there's a word, a term for it. Oh, um, not, not triggered. Oh my God. Of course. I'm not gonna be able to think of this term, but Mm -hmm. there's there, you know, like they would say things as in like, Oh, like, are you like, are you okay? Are you feeling fine right now? Like they would just say things inappropriately and unnecessarily to make, it would just make me feel shameful or it would make me feel bad or whatever. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, this was 12 years ago. So things were, well, actually, no. Well, yeah, 12 years ago. Sorry. I'm bad with math at nighttime, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but so it, it was just an interesting experience and, you know, I can't necessarily blame my parents because they were doing the best they could with the tools that they had at the time. But what I wish they would have done is I wish they would have sat down and learned more about bipolar disorder and to try to understand me better because uh, like with bipolar disorder, there's so many ups and downs and the mood swings. And then you've got the episodes, you've got the depressive episodes, which are the lows, which, you know, like depression. And then you've got the, um, the highs, which are like manic episodes, which those ones, I've never had a full manic episode because I'm bipolar two disorder, which is more of hypomania, which is a feeling of like, it's not as extreme, but it's just, you feel really good. And when you're feeling really good, you sometimes make really bad decisions um, and risky decisions. Like you go spend a whole bunch of money on something you shouldn't have, or you think, oh, I don't need to go to work today. And you just flake out on work or whatever. You just feel untouchable. And while a lot of people who have bipolar disorder love those kind of things, I have found that they can cause a lot of heartache and just problems. If you, if you don't treat them and get too far into things, (laughs) I, I mean, I've, I've experienced some pretty not fun things because of that. But anyways, back to what your question was, is I wish my parents would have understood that when I was having problems with spending and with money that it wasn't because I was a bad kid and couldn't figure out how to handle money. It was because when I would 
go up into hypomania and be in one of those little highs, I would just go on shopping sprees because I just felt so good and so great. And I just wanted all these really cool things to make me feel more great and not, you know, punish me or look at me differently or shame me for it. Like there's just a lot of things that I wish they would have done better And I will say my siblings, they, they have always like, gosh, I will tear up now thinking about it. They've always done whatever they could to make me not feel that way. (laughs) So I remember being, um, I remember my parents shaming me at one point and my sister would come in my room and she would check on me and she would, she would bring me something or she would do something to try to make me feel better. Or my brother would do the same. And you know, like I'm very thankful for them. And I, I share these things because I, if there's anybody listening, who is a parent who of somebody like a child who has bipolar disorder, I really encourage that you research it. If your child is going through something, you should research what they're going through so you can better understand it because they're a child. They don't understand it at all. They're confused. They're so confused. They don't know why they're acting so differently than their friends are or than their sister is. And so if you don't understand it and they don't understand it, nothing good can come from that. <laughs> so I, I'm actually going to come up with a, um, an episode in my next season, season three, that kind of talks more in depth about the things I wish my parents would have researched and learned and could have helped me with as a, you know, as an adolescent trying to grow up and quote, be normal unquote, and navigate bipolar disorder. Like, you know, it's already hard enough being a teenager. Let's throw in mental health and (laughs) make make it, you know, just a party, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So you spoke about your family being um, the typical um, Christian white conservative family now knowing if everybody seen me in the in the in the flesh I'm the opposite of that <laughs> but tell me like do you think because of the lifestyle of like or I would just say like the way that your parents were brought up that that was the reason why they couldn't really understand your your mental disorder Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause they, they grew up in similar environments as to what they raised us in, which is you don't talk about your feelings. You don't um, express, you know, you, you don't express yourself the way you want to. If you're feeling angry, suck it up, get over it, stop crying, stop. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of environment they grew up in. And then everybody outside of the house needs to know that what's like, that we're perfect. And that happens a lot in like conservative Christian white households. And it's very, very sad because what it does is when you stuff all those things down, eventually you're going to explode. You can't hold on to all that shit forever. It's going to turn into a shit storm. And so for me, you know, I remember I moved out of my parents' house when I was 18. Like I graduated high school and like three months later I moved out because I was like, no, I can't keep living like this anymore. It's exhausting to put on a face to everybody and say that you're okay when really you're not. And so that is how they were raised to be. And I can't blame them because that's how they were taught to, you know, live life. And so 
what I hope moving forward is that our generation, you know, will do better. That will be the generation, the millennials and the Gen Zers and all of us will be the ones who raise our kids differently, who show our kids it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to express your emotions. It's okay to be fucking angry. Just, you know, don't go burn down a building because you're mad. Just go hit a boxing thing. I don't know. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like there's, there's healthy ways to cope with things and shoving it down and pretending like it's not there is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, that is honestly true. And that's one thing, like I've tried therapy. Maybe I just haven't found the right therapist, but it just has been working for me. But a lot of things that my therapist that I've talked to that they told me is to find something that helps calm your mind and makes you happy. And that's one weird thing was this podcast. Another thing, I started dabbling back into martial arts and I was so relieved doing martial arts again because it's calming because people think that martial arts is, is just for you to fight. Like, no, it's not just to teach you how to fight. Yeah, you're supposed to be able to defend yourself, but it teaches you discipline and it, it teaches you discipline perseverance and also teaches you how to be calm in any situation so that's why I love martial arts and I love that we got to talk because since like I said I come from a black Christian household so it's nice to hear what like a black liberal Christian household so it's nice to hear how it is on the other on the other side um, per se because I don't know what it's like to be a white person dealing with the uh, dealing with mental disorder so I'm glad that I got to hear your side and it's kind of like the same in the black community we're taught not to not to show show when something's going wrong or we're not supposed to be angry or sad or upset so I, th- I find it interesting how it's how it's the same way because for the longest time I used to always think like I had it like it was easier if I was if I was white, but of course, mental health, it has, it's not, mental health is not, has no discrimination whatsoever. It will hit whoever you are, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, poor, blue, or purple, it's going to hit you regardless. It's not, it does not discriminate whatsoever. And I'm glad that I'm more open now, instead of being so naive, thinking that it was just because of how I grew up and who I am today. So that's, so I'm glad I got to talk to you about that. Yeah, no, I'm glad I could see. And this is, again, this is perfect example as to why I talk about these things, because when somebody verbalizes them, like something that they have gone through, other people are like, oh, wait, I, okay, I'm not the only one. And that I think just brings such a relief. It might not fix the feelings that you have, but or like, especially in that moment of you're feeling depressed, whatever it might be. But I know that when other people say that they feel the same way or they went through same things, I'm like, wow, okay, I can breathe. It's not just me. This happens to other people. And I don't overanalyze and overthink things on, you know, a way too critical of a level. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, ah, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah, but oh man, I could talk to you for hours because this has been a very engaging conversation. But oh I'm, yeah, I know this has been fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna close out with a with a few questions with a, with a like like a quick few little questions. So, sure. 
were you into any like organizations gum coming up in school or were you just a couch potato? Oh, um, so for the first two years of high school, I was in a couple different organizations like Girl Scouts and tennis and stuff. And then depression really kind of took over during my junior year of high school, junior and senior. So I I became a couch potato then. And actually I became a, a party girl, which was not good. <laughs> I don't promote that, but yeah. So I, I've been both. And so I, I'm more so now like I was before. And so I realized that depression and bad coping mechanisms were what turned me into a couch potato. And I'm very thankful to be back on the go-getter overachiever annoyingly overachiever sometimes attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, um, did you, um, ever pursue um, further education outside of um, high school? Oh, so actually I just started college last semester. I'm super excited. So thank you. Yeah. It's really huge step for me, but, um, because I had told you I moved out of my parents' house right after high school and I just went to the workforce so I could afford to, you know, be an adult and live. <laughs> right. But last um last semester I dived in to college and this semester I have officially started taking fashion design courses at the community college here in Houston and I'm really excited to finally pursue the fashion design degree and then career that I have dreamed of since I was like 10 years old. So, <laughs> oh, oh, that's not something I had to, I had to call you once again, whenever I try to make one of these big movies, I had to keep you in, keep in touch. Yes. Let me design your costumes, <laughs> please. I love costumes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, for me, man, I, I wish I would have known this a while ago, but for a lot of these professions that we seek, Degrees, I'm just put it this way, degrees are bullshit. Yeah, no, I agree. I have seen so many of my friends go to college and get a degree and then use nothing of that degree for anything in their career. And I was at so all. like, is that what you did? Yes, like, like I've did that twice. Well, luckily, I didn't do it for my pursuing my film career. But um, when I was at work, there's this, um, there's this Indian, this is Indian guy that I work with. And he has his own business. So one day I was just like, man, I really want to start my business. How do I go about it? And he said, well, are you in school? Like, yeah, I went I went to get my bit, my business management degree. Like, well, you don't need that. That's bullshit. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. what? Like, what you mean is bullshit? He says, everything about a business, only thing you need to know is just to have your credit at a certain amount and to learn about different business loans and you'll be fine. So I was like, so I wasted 34000 for nothing. And he said, yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad I have that knowledge now because I'm at this point, I'm just still going to go ahead and finish out this associates and business management because just in case I do want to get a salary, a salary job as an accountant or something, I'll just go ahead. There you go. That. Yeah. Always. It's always good to have backup plans. So that's it's not the worst thing. So, yeah, that's yeah. no. But I'm definitely not paying for film school unless like I really want to learn the technical side because I heard that you don't need a degree for that at all. Oh, yeah. No, YouTube University is the best education system out there. (laughs) Yes. And now I now I see why all these there's like a lot of directors in Hollywood 
famous known directors that didn't even go to college for the film. I'm like, well, that's that's amazing. And just think, people like Spielberg and all of them, that was before the internet. So just imagine how accessible things are now. Oh, that's true. I did not even think about that until you mentioned that. Yeah, things are way more accessible now. I can't imagine like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. But oh, yeah, you can do it. You don't need to go to school. Don't waste your money. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wasting my money anymore. If I'm going to waste my money, y'all, it's going to be in the Bring the Popcorn podcast. That's where all the money is going to go and probably food because, you know. There you go. A brother, <laughs> brother got to eat. But other than that, yeah, man, it's been so fun talking to you. And I just feel like we could talk for hours. Oh, no, yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so. I had I asked my last guest this to close out. Okay. What is your Mount Rushmore of influential people? Ooh, my Mount Rushmore of influence. Okay, that's that's a no-brainer, actually. So Brene Brown. So I mentioned her like way at the beginning of this podcast because she lives in Austin and Houston. If you don't know Brene Brown, everybody go look her up right now. I have read all of her books. I'm halfway reading or excuse me, halfway through reading her most recent re release and literally her books helped transform my life in such an amazing way. So she, she researches shame and vulnerability, which are topics that nobody talks about that are very important for us humans to understand, to be able to live, you know, joyful and passionate lives. And I would not be the woman I am today without her. So she's got some awesome podcasts out there too. And she's just doing such good things in the world of psychology and in emotional intelligence and just all of those things. And I think everybody needs to read her books because they will just help you to free yourself. Like that's just the best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's, so that's number four. Yes. All right. So you remember you got three more and I know somebody's got to get somebody's going to get left out. So I know okay. I know it's going to be difficult for you. OK, so another. OK, so the next one I'm going to have to I, I talked about her earlier. I'm going to say Jenna Kutcher. Um, she is the reason why I was able to successfully launch my own podcast. She has her incredibly successful podcast, the gold digger podcast, where she talks about all the things that you should learn with business and marketing, but she makes it fun. And yeah, so she's, she, if it wasn't for her and her podcast, I wouldn't have mine. So she's definitely up there. So that's two. Okay. And then, oh. Wait. Two more. Jeez. And I feel like, oh, I feel like I know the answer to these questions, but like I'm put on the spot. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do in these interviews. Like, I got to put y'all on the spot when it comes to this Mount Rushmore question. Oh, man. Yeah. This is a good question. Okay. Oh, you know who I have to put up there? I have to put Michelle Obama 100%. Okay. Yeah. So I read her book, Becoming. And I couldn't put that book down. Like I literally just had to keep reading. I had no idea that she was as, as incredible of a woman as she is, because unfortunately 
I have to say that I am guilty of being that person who did not pay attention to politics until President Trump was elected. Because You're not the only one. You're oh, the I know. There's yeah, I'm one of many, many, many guilty people in that because Obama and you know Michelle, they were doing such amazing things together when he was running the country that I didn't, and I was younger when he first got into office, but honestly, things were going great. I didn't pay attention to politics because they were doing such an amazing job. And then reading her story as, you know, being the first, you know, the first African-American first lady, number one, but just her entire story, which was her book. It was like, man, her, like herself, she, and Barack Obama are the power couple that my partner and I strive to be like for real. I kept reading this and thinking, oh, my God, like it was just the most beautiful story in so many ways. And she has a cute little documentary. Cute. I probably shouldn't call it cute. I thought it was cute, though. I I like that word. But (laughs) (laughs) um, a a documentary on Netflix, too, that everybody should watch if it's still there. But yeah, she's an amazing woman. So she's definitely up there. Number three also. And she is beautiful. I don't understand why there were so many people trying to talk about her looking like a monkey. Like, y'all just hating because Michelle Michelle Obama, beautiful. No, she is beautiful. You're absolutely right. She is beautiful. And people will find whatever they can to hate on, to hate on somebody that they don't agree with. So, yeah, that made me mad, too. And then let's see. So she's number three. That's in no particular order. But (laughs) (laughs) the fourth person, it's probably going to be a woman again for many reasons. Let me think. Whose books have I read recently? Because, oh, you know what? Actually, it's not going to be a woman. It's going to be Tan France from Queer Eye. Are you familiar with Queer Eye at all? Um, Okay, so I have heard of it. I think I've like because that show's been going on for a while, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on their sixth season, I believe now. So. Because if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong. Wasn't there a show like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy or something like that? That was the original one, yes. And then that one went for a couple seasons, like way back in like the 80s or 90s, and then it stopped. And then they did a reboot, um, probably maybe six years ago, maybe less than that. But the reboot has five characters as well. And one of them, his name is Tan France. And I recently read his book. And the reason why he is so influential to me, there's actually a million reasons. So he went, he's the fashion guy on Queer Eye and he went to fashion school. So learning about his whole journey with, he had his own brand and his own line and all kinds of stuff that I didn't know about because you don't find these things out on the show. So learning how he struggled through all of that was just very inspiring to me since I'm going to school for fashion design. But also Tan France, he is Pakistani. He was born um, in, but he was born in London and, or not London. I'm sorry. I'm probably like going to get a couple of these facts wrong. Y'all don't fact check me, please. Um, <laughs> but he grew up in the United Kingdom and then he's married. So he's, he's gay and he's married to a white man. And so I actually, my partner, he is from India, which India and Pakistan were the same country up until 1947 when they split into their two different ones. Mm -hmm. So they have very similar 
backgrounds and beliefs and cultural, um, just they're very similar culturally wise. And so, and they're going to hate that. I just said that, like my, my boyfriend's best friend is going to kill me if he heard that I said that, (laughs) but anyways, (laughs) moral of the story is I was able to better understand a lot of the, the how like how racism affects brown people like i mean and i'm not being you know i'm not trying to say this in a negative way whatsoever but like my partner who i love so dearly he's a brown man living in texas and so now is i mean never is a great time in america to be of another skin color we all know the history here but reading tan's story and actually hearing him talk about his experiences with racism and growing up and you know doing things differently than his own culture and all of that was it was just really fucking great for me to be able to understand things that my partner, he he's probably been through and just not been able to verbalize or just doesn't want to talk to me about it or has just let it go because he, he's that type of person, but it it was so good in so many different ways. So he's definitely up there too. So not a woman getting mm-hmm. diverse up here. So <laughs> and I just looked him up. I have seen him. Yeah. I've seen him before. Yeah. Oh, I love him. He's so sassy. I love him. (laughs) But yeah, like, yeah. Well, you actually got through the list easier than some people because some people, it's hard. (laughs) I know for me, it's hard because every time you do a Mount Rushmore, somebody's going to get left out. Yep. But you, but, but you know, you passed the test. You, you got through it like, you got through it with a breeze. Yay. I've held you captive long enough, ma'am. This was really fun. Hopefully we can do more work. We can do, hopefully do more work with each other. Absolutely. I'd love that. And this is just something that I'm trying to put in the works. I'm trying to put in the works. I'll try to find somebody that'll bite on this. But my goal for a lot of these podcasters that I know, I was always thinking, you know what would be really cool? for a lot of these podcasters if they were actually on a platform not just like a spotify or something but actually like an actual channel where all of our podcasts are for in for different varieties where people can just come to our podcast it's basically like a podcast network okay Uh uh-huh and i'm still trying to i'm still in learning about the business but i really want that want to get that going because I just found out that Roku is willing to basically put anything on their channel. <laughs> huh. Okay. Cool. So I'm I'm working on that. I'm working on that right now. And I'm definitely going to keep you in keep you in mind. I'm definitely going to probably contact you on the daily now. Cause like I said, you locked in as a friend now. It it, it ain't no it ain't no no escaping it. Like absolutely. That. I'm I'm here for it. Yes. But yeah, so I'm definitely gonna keep you in mind. But also one more question before we go. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I have. Yes. I just do not have the time for that right now, but it is on my list of things to do before I die <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, just know I'm be looking for that book now. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be looking for Bailey Raber or whatever, or whatever pseudo name that you go by. I'm just know that I'm be, I'm be looking for that book. Oh, thanks. 
I'll, I'll definitely let you know when it starts getting in the works, but you're, you're not the first person I've asked me that question. So it's, it's just like the podcast. It's going to just take some time and eventually I'm just going to force myself to do it. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm like, I'm hold, I'm hold you to it now. I'm going to hold you to it. But y'all, this has been really fun. And I have had fun with my guests. I can't wait to work with her even more. Before we go, Bailey, tell these people where they can find you and your wonderful podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find Distressed to Joyful Bailey's Way on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, You can also check out my website. That's going to be what is hay bales doing and hay bales is spelled h e y b a i l s that's one of my nicknames that's another story for another day <laughs> <laughs> but you can go to what is haybalesdoing.com and you can actually access the podcast for free on there as well and all of the show notes with the awesome links to all of the information that i research for it, it you can find that there too well, all right. It has been a blast, but people, we got to go. I have a date to organize and I'm hungry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Jason. This has been really great. Thank you. Always been really great. And remember, guys, when you when, when you always come to the podcast, just remember to always bring the popcorn. All right, y'all. We out. <laughs>